morning, church. I am so excited to be able to speak today and uh, just share with you uh, a little part of what happened over the weekend. Um, man, God is at work in the world. Do you believe that today? Um, we went to this conference in the Northeast. Pastor Ed took a couple of guys from the church, uh, some staff and family, and it's called the Warriors Conference. And I'm telling you, when you are in a room of 1,200 men uh, just belting out worship at the top of their lungs, which is like a really deep sound, it's an awesome experience. And I was at Warrior Conference, and uh, just to, this is a shout-out to our pastor, to Pastor Ed and Kim. Uh, man, he is such an amazing pastor. And if you don't understand maybe the blessing uh, that he is to this church, you, you got you to gotta talk to some people. You go to a conference of 1,200 people, and every person sitting behind you in the row, they're like, oh, yeah, what church do you go to? And you say, Warehouse Church is Pastor Ed Trinkle. They're like, oh, I love Pastor Ed. I mean, we're at this conference, and everybody knows the dude. And we are just so blessed to have Pastor Ed as the leader and, and just in, in uh, guiding us and our church and everything we're going to. And the man, uh, regardless, you know, we're, we're, God's doing amazing things in Texas here. But the man has influence that's across the world. And there's pastors there that he's coaching and mentoring and people that he's encouraging. And it's just so awesome to know that our pastor right now even is in the Northeast preaching and bringing God's word and having an influence and impact on people and what God is doing throughout the world. And that mission, this Jesus mission, is something that's going on right now at Warehouse Church. The if you look at the signs, if you look outside, they're in the hallway too, the signs that have the motto for Warehouse Church, it says, building lives, strengthening families, and delivering hope. And that's actually what the church is doing right now. People's lives are being built. Families every week are being strengthened. And the hope of Jesus Christ is going out to the world, not just in Dallas, Texas, but all over. And so it's just such a blessing to be part of a real church. Can I get an amen? amen. And uh, yeah, come on, clap it up. And a couple more shout-outs for this morning. We got our fifth graders in here, so can we, can we make some noise for our fifth graders? They just graduated. Raise your hand if you're one of the fifth graders. Raise your hand up high. Very nice. All right. They just graduated fifth grade, and so they're, they're joining the main service now, uh, and I'm here to tell you it's a bigger stage, but I'm no better than you. So why don't you all turn to your neighbor and, and tell them just that. Say, I'm no better than you. All right. Now turn to the person that was your second pick and tell them I'm no better than you either. So, so there's, somebody, there's somebody else I want to give a shout out to this morning. Um, it's somebody who has served here, I think, for about four weeks, maybe five weeks. And... Uh, it is our Warehouse Church, I think it's our first intern officially of Warehouse Church, and so uh, I'm going to go ahead and have him come up here. Why don't you come up here uh, and give it up for Ryan Clappin. <laughs> Clap it up for him. This guy has done more of the Lord's service uh, of some of maybe the, the not the easiest jobs and has just done a phenomenal job, and we want to honor him this morning uh, he's, he's been a part of the building project, he's been a part of Boys Club, he's done youth group, he's helped set up and tear down about a thousand times, and uh, this guy, uh, not only can he just serve the Lord, but he can also bring the word, and this guy is going to do awesome things, and we just want to honor our intern today, once, once more for Ryan Clappin, alright bud, you can sit down, killing it. 
And so this morning, uh, this church, we heard this at the conference. I love this line. I feel like I'm going to use it every day. This church and, and just church in general, it's not a place for perfect people, but it's a place for people. And I love that about church because, you know, it, there's no perfect people allowed. There's no one in this church that's perfect, but it is a place for people. And so on week two of Forgotten Virtues, uh, I want to start uh, with a story that's about uh, our young adult group. Uh, we have an awesome young adult group here at the church. If you're not involved or if you want to know more information about it, um, get a hold of myself, get a hold of Tara, um, get a hold of Kelsey. And uh, the young adults, a couple weeks back, this was two Saturdays ago, we went paddle boarding. And we had an adventure, to say the least. Raise your hand if you were on that trip. Let's see, show of hands. All right. Yeah, we had 10 people. Uh, we went paddle boarding. And as happens sometimes in Dallas. It was a uh, particularly windy day. And so we, as we launched off from the paddleboard station uh, out into the, there's like a little bay, and uh, there's a bridge on this side, there's a bridge on this side. And as we get out into the bay that you can see behind us in the picture there, uh, you know, we're just horsing around, and we're kind of racing to the bridge. We're racing to the opening. And we get to the opening, and we go through it, and you know, we're just all out there laughing, horsing around, splashing each other, seeing who can fall off first and doing yoga or just handstands, whatever you call it. And we're out there hanging out, having fun. And we start talking about, hey, you see that bridge over there? Hey, should we go to that bridge? And I, this is the truth. No one said no. So if you, if you try to tell me that you said no, that didn't happen. No one said no, we shouldn't go. No one said that's a bad idea. I vote no. And so eventually, I think it was Joe Lee, he's like, well, no one said no, and so we're, we just take off for this bridge. Well, it's so windy that, I mean, you can get, like, for every one stroke, it's probably like a three-stroke kind of length, and we definitely underestimated two things. We underestimated the wind and the distance to the bridge. And so as we're paddling towards the bridge, someone did say, hey, won't it be hard to come back against the wind? And so, you know, I was like, all right, I'll try to, try to gauge this here. And so I turned my paddleboard around, and I was, I was uh, paddling. And I really thought I was gaining, like, going the other way against the wind. But I'm pretty sure what was just happening is everyone that was sitting was moving the opposite way. And so it created the illusion. And, I mean, we get out there, and the distance, you know how it is when you think something's, like, just right there? And, I mean, we get halfway, and we're like, have we even gotten closer? We turn around in the bay. It's, like, way gone. And so we get out way, way far away, like a mile to this bridge. And we all decide to turn around and no one can go anywhere. Like, like we're paddling as hard as we possibly can. We, we get on our knees so we make less wind resistance. We can't go anywhere. And Joey and I ended up helping somebody and we, we came up with a game plan, right? We said, all right, angle your paddleboard and go towards the, the trees where there's no wind and maybe you can actually make uh, some distance towards the... Uh, towards the, the dock. And Joey and I are over here fiddling around for 30 minutes and I look up and there was people that were the same spot that they were 30 minutes ago. Like they had never stopped rowing but they hadn't moved. So we're like, oh man, we gotta do something different. So we went out there and uh, rallied everybody up and said, hey, just go to the bank, right? Just bank the paddle boards. I had my keys with me in a little dry box with my phone and I said, I'll, I'll just hitch a ride and uh, go bring the truck back and load up all the paddle boards. And so you know, everyone's like, cool, cool, yeah, we'll just hang out. And so I take off running. I'm wearing Batman and Robin swim trunks. And uh, I take off running barefoot. And first, car, first person I get to is a guy that's fishing. And I said, hey, man, I'm sorry to bother you. Anybody that's fishing, but can I get a ride? It's like three minutes away. And he goes, 
oh, you know what? I can't do her. And he like, Zing. I was like, all right, it's cool, it's cool. I would be, I'd be happy if I was fishing too. So I go to the next person. It's this guy that unloaded a go-kart, and he's like, oh, dude, I just, I just got this unloaded with my, my family. I'm here. And I was like, oh, it's okay, I get it. Yeah, you're happy. You got kids with you, and so I go to the next person. And I mean, I'm like pretty upbeat and, and fine until like the sixth person that tells me no. And I, I like just, I was just like, can you give me a ride? Like I went to a cop. I asked an old guy. Like everybody had a reason. One family, their kids had to go to the bathroom. I'm like, I got to go too, man. And I, I think I asked 15 people before one person said yeah. And I get it. I mean, I'm barefoot. I got long hair. I was like, okay, crazy person. Like, <laughs> nobody wanted to give a crazy person a ride. But this morning, we're talking about purity. And in our world, that's kind of like what purity is. Like, trying to be pure in our world is like paddling against the wind. And trying to even get help in purity. Like maybe you want to be pure and you ask people for help. People just aren't walking around like, hey, I want to try to help you in this area of your life. And in fact, it's kind of like the other thing. uh, You know, no one offers and in fact, they may be tempting you to struggle. And I got to tell you this morning, it's not just like the young adults who are out there paddleboarding. It's not just the young. It's for everybody. And in our world today, if you walk outside your house, you will be bombarded with everything from the world that says the opposite of following God towards purity. You could see a billboard as you're driving down the road. You could see a magazine in the supermarket. You could see something at school, talk to somebody at work. Uh, And actually, you don't even have to walk out the door. You can just pick up your phone and you can see an ad on Facebook or something uh, on a story on Snapchat or the Explore feature on Instagram. Everything in our world is not assisting us towards purity. And so... The virtue that's forgotten, obviously, in our world, which is to be expected, can actually be a virtue that's forgotten in the church. And I've just never met somebody that on their calendar for Monday morning said, protect your purity today. Like, no no one's doing that. No one's saying, hey, I need to put this on my calendar as something to do. And so it's, it's our calling as God's people to be pure. And this morning, if you're a visitor, if you haven't been in a while, or maybe you're just new to church, or you're one of the fifth graders that just moved up, I want to set the stage well and just say this isn't a place where we're going to talk about something that's unattainable that you can't do that that is going to make you feel ashamed or guilty because the truth is God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. And so this morning, we're going to look in the Bible and and we're going to read. There's a passage actually. uh, They're going to put it on the screen, 2 Corinthians 7.1. And Paul writes this, and right before this passage, he says, he's going to be our father and we're gonna be his children. And then 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, therefore, since we have these promises that God is gonna be our father, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So God's love for us is a real thing, and our response is purity. And God loves you. Like everyone in this room today, say this with me, God loves me. God loves you. And if you want to hear from God this morning, the the message on purity, it's not a message of shame or judgment. No, the church, remember, isn't a place for perfect people, but it's for people. And so we're all in this together. I'm with you, you're with me, we're all in this together. And the question that we're going to answer from God's word is, how do we stay pure in a contaminating environment? How many people know 
that in church there's one answer. This is like youth group 101. There's one answer that's almost always right, and the answer is thank you. Very nice. Bonus points for you. I'll get you a sticker. Jesus is the answer. So really, towards the answer of this question, if you want to make it easy for yourself, if you're taking notes and you want to write how can you be pure in a, in a contaminating environment, the answer is Jesus, or as one of the kids in our uh, Kids City ministry says, Jebus. Uh, Jebus saves in kids ministry. That's okay. We support that. And, and Jesus is what purity is. Like to be pure is to be uncontaminated by sin, and that's Jesus. He was a man, he lived a perfect life, he died and rose again, conquered sin and death, and proved that he was who he said he was, and he could do what he said he could do, which is provide a way for us to the Father. And so, contamination, um, you know, is the, is the avoidance, we're trying to avoid that. If you go through the gospel, if you, if you share the gospel message, and you understand, like we've set the stage, God created us, he wants to be with us but our sins, our contamination, our impurities separate us. There's a verse in the Bible that illustrates it really well and helps us see how, just how contaminated we are. Isaiah 64, 6, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Just like we were paddleboarding, our sins just sweep us away from where we wanna be. And this morning, um, <laughs> A story about contamination. Uh, I was a public school art teacher, and it was in Illinois, and I had a student, his name was Jonah Busher. And Jonah was working on this printmaking project. And uh, if you know anything about art, you use a printmaking gouge. It's a piece of metal that's maybe in a V shape or a U shape, and it's sharpened like a knife. And you're supposed to, and this is you know, where I failed him as a teacher, just like I failed many children that ended up putting a thumbprint on the royal order of the bloody hand. He cut his finger because instead of putting his hand here and cutting away from his body, he supported his block like this and cut towards his hand. So this dude cut himself good. You know how, like, if I hold up a thumb, and if a thumb's supposed to be round like this, it, like, went up like this and then just, uh, off. And right where he did the whole, uh, there was, like, a piece of meat. Like, you could just see red meat on the inside. Sorry if you're squeamish, but that's the truth. True story. And the contamination part of it's this. When I... Everyone's like, Jonah cut himself. I'm like, oh, awesome, great, let's do this. All right, so let me see it. And, I, and he's holding his thumb like this, and he's over at the sink. And don't judge me, but this, the stuff in the sink had been there for like two weeks. And it was a, uh, I remember, well, it was a paint tray of yellow paint. And I, I'm almost certain that it was like rancid paint that it probably was moldy before we even got it out to paint with it. All right, don't judge me. It's our teacher. And so he's over there holding his thumb, and I'm like, oh, let me see this thing. And as he's holding it, I'm looking straight at his thumb. He just dips it right down in the rancid yellow paint. And I'm like, what are you doing? And I look up at his face, and he was fainting at the sight of his own blood, and he went down like that. And so I catch the dude, and I'm, I'm like, why did he stick that in there? And as I catch him, I just went into action mode, right? I'd never had someone pass out on me, okay? Nurses, don't judge me. But I was like, we gotta get this guy to nurse. So I just scoop him up, and I just start walking to the nurse. Like, I guess that's what you do. I don't know, it's just adventure mode. And so as I'm walking him to the nurse, I take like four steps towards the door, and he wakes up, and he looks up at me and goes, why are you holding me, Mr. Jones? I was like, I don't know, you just jumped into my arms, man. Get down here, it's weird. But, but as I couldn't believe, you know, of all things you want to do with the open wound, he stuck it down in the nasty, 
paint. And if you think about our, uh, our righteousness, it's kind of like that nasty paint. And no matter what we do, we're always gonna be like in that paint, no matter how many times God says avoid, that's where we are on our own without God. And so this morning, uh, Psalm 119, nine through 11, it's really, I took my outline from the Bible. It's really outlined well here in these three verses, uh, how to avoid purity. So to answer the question, how do we stay pure in a contaminating environment, I wanna read Psalm 119, nine through 11. It says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so the first thing of of how to avoid um, contamination, how to be pure in a contaminating environment is this. It's by living according to God's word. This forgotten virtue of purity doesn't come because we're just messed up and, you know, we're never going to get it and we don't. It's not because we can't have purity. It's because we don't know who we are. People don't know who they are, and that's why they struggle with impurity. It's a forgotten virtue because it's a tough thing. First John 3, 1 through 3 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, all who have this hope in him. Check this out. Purify themselves just as he is pure. So we as believers, if you believe in Jesus this morning, say amen real loud. All right, we as believers sometimes lose our purity because we forget who we are. We forget that we're children of God. And you gotta remember who you are to know what to do. And, and so we live according to who God says we are, and, and that's how you live in a way that honors God, by living according to God's word. There's a song, uh, we sang it at the men's conference, powerful, powerful moment, and it's a song uh, by Hillsong, and it says, I am who you say I am, that's the name of the song. Just check it out if you never heard it before. I think they're gonna do it actually soon on the worship team. But the song says, I'm chosen, I'm not forsaken. I'm free, I'm a child of God. And you know, if you know who you are, you know what to do. It reminded me of a, of a time in my life when I was a teenager and every time, you know when you're a teenager, you're never like hugging mom and kissing her and just like high-fiving your dad when you're going out somewhere. You're just like getting out of the shower, putting your clothes on, jetting out the door. And every time my dad would meet me at the door and he'd stop me, and he's bigger than me, and he'd say, remember who you are and where you came from. And so that was when I was a teenager, you know, it probably started, I don't know, maybe even when I was younger, before I had my driver's license. So by the time I was 18, I mean, it was like a, it was like a uh, call and response. Like, it was like a Catholic church kind of thing. He was like, remember who you are, and I was like, and who, where you came from. And then by the time, you know, I was, I was out of the house, it was like, hey, Gary, yeah, remember who you are and where you came from? Like, I was just running out the door, like, I was telling him, but it really did make an impact in my life because every time I left, my dad reminded me of who I was. And so he knew that I was gonna go out on an adventure somewhere and I was gonna do something honoring, I was gonna be as a teenage boy would be, but that little seed that he planted in my life of who you are changed how I acted. And I'm not saying that I didn't ever stray from the family name or, or do things that were embarrassing, I did, I made mistakes. 
but it was, that, it was that reminder of who you are. And so to live according to God's word, you have to know who you are. The second thing about this, this virtue of purity that's sometimes forgotten is it's a journey. The, the journey for purity is something, we're not there. Like I'm not on this stage saying, I've reached purity, that, that way I can talk about this. We're not there, but it's a journey that we're on. And to become pure is to become like Christ. When you believe in Jesus, you're justified, and then you're living your life, growing towards him until we're with Jesus in glory, and we're made like him. But to become pure is to become like Christ. And as Pastor Craig shared last week, it's a race that we run. Like he shared from the book of Hebrews and about how we stand on the shoulders of those that go before us, and how, how do we run with perseverance? How do we do that? We fix our eyes on Jesus who's the author and finisher of our faith. And everybody in this room right now, if you can hear me, God wants to bless you. Say, God wants to bless me. God wants to bless you. And if you think about your life as this journey, I heard it said one time, I read it in a book, that oftentimes we see purity like a, a roadblock. Like you can see this awesome mountain landscape with flowing streams and trees and, and animals. And it's like, a, this, like we saw in the northeast, like a beautiful ski slope that you're just like, oh, I just want to go out there. And for students, uh, it was said in this way, the, the phrase, pay attention to me, students, it says, don't have sex before you're married, okay? All right, we got that out of the way with. But the whole, the whole idea of the roadblock, that's what we see it as, like, oh, that's something great that people are keeping me from, the roadblock. And and the truth of the matter is, if you try to bust through that roadblock, it's not a good, it's not a good analogy because you just crash and it's bad. But really what purity and, and what God's blessing for your life is more like a mountain trail that goes up around the mountain and it has guardrails. There are certain things that God wants you to do in his timing and, and to wait for. And if you make mistakes and you go off the path, you are going to get banged up and bruised and, and you're going to get thorns and stickers. But it's not, it's not really restricting like a roadblock like this is cool over here and you can't go. It's more like a mountain trail. This journey of purity is like a trail up a mountain. The guardrails are to keep you safe. And so if we look at it like a journey and we think about what the psalmist is saying here, I'm gonna go on to the, to the next point in verse number 10 of Psalm 119 of how to stay pure in a contaminated environment. The second thing is this, by seeking God with all your heart. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's just like the guardrail. It's not like a list Christianity is not rules, it's a relationship. It's not do this, don't do that, you can do this, you can't do that, this is why, this is why not, but it's a relationship and sometimes we believe the lie that, oh, if we follow God with all our heart, we're actually gonna miss out on the good stuff. Like if I give this to God, if I obey God in this area of my life, oh, you know what, I might lose out. I might forfeit some pleasures that I could have if I like follow God in most things and then do some cool stuff over here. That's a lie that, that, that Satan feeds us and that the world and our flesh even lie to us. And Psalm 37.4 says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you truly follow God with all your heart, you're gonna live a fulfilled life. You're gonna have peace. You're gonna have happiness. You're gonna have exactly what you need and what you were created to have. There's a, uh, there's a 20th century author, he's pretty big, uh, he was like one of the biggest ones for Christianity in the 20th century. C.S. Lewis wrote a work called The Screwtape Letters, and as I was uh, studying for this message, I found an article on the internet that was about the Screwtape Letters, I thought, but I started reading about, you know, you won't click your mouse and watch on YouTube, and 
I was like, wait a minute, that stuff wasn't around when C.S. Lewis wrote. And so I did some digging. It was actually wrote last week. I found an article that was wrote uh, on like May 23rd, and, or maybe it was two weeks ago. But it was a perspective. If you know anything about the screw tape letters, it was written as a perspective from a senior demon, like a, a, a demon that was coaching a younger demon. And so we normally look at, you know, spiritual warfare as Christians. We look at it as like we're on God's side and Satan's the enemy. Well, it was a perspective shift to see what it would be like for demons to tempt Christians. And here's what they said in this article. It was very beautifully written. It said, they, talking about Christians, flee from immorality, but listen to this, neglect to pursue righteousness. And they're, they're talking about tempting this Christian and said, make him want clean glasses, okay? So, so glasses that you would put on your face. Make this Christian want clean glasses, not so he can marvel at his master and give glory to God and look at him through the clean glasses, but so he can merely gratify himself at the cleanliness of his lenses. Look what I did. Look how clean I made these glasses. And it's all about yourself and not about God. And our calling, remember, isn't just to avoid sin, but it's to pursue God. It's to be like Christ in our purity. And so how to stay pure in a contaminated environment, the third point is by hiding God's word in your heart. And if you don't know this, if you've never experienced this, this is just like a humble, humble challenge to, for you to try, um, for you to just maybe even one minute a day, every, every day of the week. But if you spend time in God's word, it does something to you. I heard it said at a conference one time that your quiet time should be the loudest part of your day. And I've also heard it said that a mature Christian, even though busy, would sneak away to spend time with the God that he loves. And so how to stay pure, how to stay pure in this contaminated environment is to sneak away and to hide God's word in your heart. And our calling, uh, we can read about in 1 Peter 1, 14 through 15, it says, as obedient children, what kind of children does it say? Obedient. obedient, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Our, our calling is to be holy. We can't do it on our own. It's only through Jesus, but that's our calling. And so how do you do that? How do you, how do you achieve that? You spend time with God. And the more you spend time with Jesus, I was talking about this with the guys at the retreat. Uh, Johnny and I actually had a really good conversation the past couple weeks about this. It's like, hey, man, can your wife tell when you don't read the Bible? And we're like, yeah, mine can too. Like, they'll be like, hey, say, you haven't uh, talked to Jesus much lately. Have? And, and honestly, it does something to you. And even, if, even for the mature Christian, if you fall away, those things will creep in your life, and it changes you. Uh, I like to do something with the students uh, because life's busy, because we always run and gun and do a lot of things. Um, I'll ask them, I'll say, hey, how's your time in God's word been? And uh, some, you know, sometimes they'll be like, oh, yeah, it's been. And I'm like, so you haven't been reading? And they're like, no. I'm like, hey, no judgment. And so we turn on the Bluetooth in my truck, and we listen to uh, God's word, and then I'll ask them, hey, you know, what'd you get out of that? What did it speak to you? It's kind of like, uh, it's like drive devotionals or something like that. But we'll talk about God's word, and I truly believe that even in that moment, where we're just driving in the truck, that it does something to your soul. And I read in, in my study for this message, a, a person wrote an article, they were talking about your Bible. And they said, your Bible, if it's in your house, it can get taken away. If it's in your hands, you can put it down. 
And even if it's in your head, you can lose memory of it. But if it's in your heart, if it's made an impression on your heart, that's not going anywhere. And so what's awesome about the Bible, I love this about the Bible, and this is one of the 10 things I love about the crew. You guys gotta help me out here. It's all about, thank you, check that out. It's all about Jesus, the Bible. When you read it, we're in Psalms today. It's all about Jesus. The psalmist was giving his heart cry to God, saying, I need you to save me. I need you in this area of purity in my life. And that was all pointing pointing towards the cross of Christ and his finished work that was to be done in the future. And then Jesus, the risen Jesus, said that everything that was written about him would be fulfilled. And so the Bible's all about Jesus. It's one story that, that's weaving together people's lives and, and God's holy, holy um, spirit just speaking through these men's pens, and it's all about Jesus. And so when you're hiding God's word in your heart, what you're doing is just what Hebrews 12 says. You're keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. And what's awesome about keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus and hiding God's word in your heart is that it's actually a deterrent to sin. Like it's like, it's like a, uh, a bug repellent for sin to keep it away from you. And in James, the Bible says that we must not only be hearers of the word, but must be doers. Thank you. So in closing, here's the inventory we need to do as a church. What impurities do you continue what impurities do I continue to allow in my life? Impurity, remember, means contaminated. And it's kind of like that paint. Maybe you're dipping your thumb all the way in it. Maybe you just face plant in it. Maybe you just kind of dip in there and let it out. What kind of impurities are you allowing in your life? Ephesians 5.3 makes it pretty plain. It says, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. And so the Bible also says that we have to guard our heart because everything flows out of it. So if you have these actions, these impure actions in your life, they're not just to be seen as actions, but they're coming from your heart. And so we have to do inventory this morning on our hearts. What kind of impurities am I allowing in my life? Maybe for you, it's lies. Maybe in the past you told big lies. I mean, just massive ones. And now it's kind of little, like some little white lies. Maybe it's uh, with money. Maybe, maybe you mishandled money in the past in a big way, and maybe, maybe now it's a little thing. No matter whether it's big or small in your life, the impurities that we have in our life, we ultimately allow them to be there. Maybe it's images that you look at. Maybe it's another form of lust, which is uh, your thought life. Maybe it's in your mind. Maybe it's just a little temptation that you let in and you let the seed grow a little bit and it's starting to get bigger and you're getting a little freaked out because you don't know what to do. Maybe it's greed. Whatever impurity you might have in your life, check this out. God already knows right now what it is. And Jesus loves you too much to leave you where you're at. The first step to living this out, the first step to living your purity out is to seek God. And this is how ready he is. This was like three weeks ago. Johnny and Christina and Tara and I were gonna go on a double date. And Tara and I were driving from Frisco on Dallas North Tollway coming this way. And uh, I noticed the gas gauge was, uh, the, the light was on. It was significantly below empty. And I was driving. I was like, hey, Tara, uh, you didn't tell me we didn't have any gas. And she's like, 
She's like, oh, our gas gauge truthfully doesn't work. Like uh, sometimes you just got to turn the car off, turn it back on, and it's fixed. And so she's like, oh, yeah, I think it's good. And I was like, yo, you just drove 100 miles today. And as I no longer than I said 100 miles, my foot just goes to the floor. All the power goes out. The lights turn off on the vehicle. I'm like, oh, man. And we're, we're coasting. It's like, oh, there's an exit right there with a the gas station. Maybe we can make it. Well, it was uphill, right? It's like a good purity illustration. It's an uphill battle. And so uh, we're coasting uphill. And I had her text Johnny. And before, you know, before we stopped, he said, hey, you want me to come get you? I said, oh, just let me see for a minute. Before our vehicle even came to a complete stop, an NTTA truck came, pulled in behind me. And, and I put it in park. And I get out and walk back to him. I was like, man, I ran out of gas. He's like, I can help that. Hit a one-gallon gas can in there. He put gas in my vehicle, and I drove off, and then he followed me to the gas station to make sure I made it. And as I was filling up, I went over to him, and I said, hey, how did you know I was going down? Like, that, that's, the, that's the quickest bailout in all of history. Before I was even stopped, he was behind me. I said, how did you know I was going down? And he said, well, have you ever heard of a, a phrase called timing is everything? I said, yeah, I've heard of that. He said, man, I was just in the right place at the right time. And this morning, you're in the right place at the right time to do business with God. And God is so ready to help you with your impurity. He's already coming up behind you. You may be headed for a massive, massive crash, and he's already on his way. And wh whether you reach the crash, whether, whether it's like a stop and go fix, God is that ready to help you this morning. He's already on his way. So you're in a position where you can do something about it. So let's bow our head and close our eyes as we talk to God this morning.